0: Thanks for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church, Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk Well, thank you, Barney. Um, Good morning, uh, good afternoon, good evening, uh, wherever you are and whatever time of day it is for you. It's good to be with you. Today, it's uh, good to be with you and having that opportunity to share the Word of God. My name is Richard Burgess, and I'm one of the leaders here at Gateway Church. In these challenging times, it's it's good to know that God has not gone into isolation, that he is not bound by buildings or places. And it's also good to know that he came into our contaminated, sin-polluted world to save, to heal, and reconcile us to himself and that we can each know his presence wherever we are, his presence and his blessing, whether we're confined uh, in our homes, whether we're uh, in hospital, whether we're caring for others, whether we're out at work, wherever we may find ourselves, he has promised to be with us. So let's just pray. Father, we invite your presence this morning as we look into the word of God. We thank you for this amazing book. We thank you for This amazing book of Psalms, we thank you for this particular Psalm we're looking at this morning. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you would just be in every home, be with every person just tuning in. Be with me, be with us all, and help us as we just uh, spend time in your word through these next few minutes. Speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, we're continuing with our mini-series in the book of Psalms, uh, a book that was crafted and shaped out of people's experience of their own life with with God, its ups and downs, and as it crafted and shaped them, so it can craft and shape us as we uh, delve into those words, as we read them, as we reflect on them, as we worship with them, as we pray with them. This morning, we're looking at, particularly at Psalm 110, rather unique psalm that stands out amongst all, the, all of the others. Along with Psalm 118, it is the most quoted psalm in the New Testament. And verse 1 of this particular psalm is the most quoted Old Testament verse in the New Testament, a verse that Jesus himself quoted with regard to his own identity and deity. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The psalm is referenced and alluded to in in one way or another throughout the New Testament, through the Gospels, through the Acts of the Apostles, through the letters of Paul, through the book of Hebrews, and in the letters of Peter. The New Testament speakers and and writers uh, use this psalm to explain the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so we find on the day of Pentecost, Peter uttering these words, This Jesus God raised up and of that all of us are witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you both see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet." Therefore, let the entire house of Israel know with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. Psalm 110 is what's known as a messianic psalm, a psalm that speaks of the coming Messiah. Messiah had been promised soon after man's fall, and Israel had longed for a Messiah throughout its history, a deliverer, a saviour, an anointed king, one who would bring peace and justice, someone who would put their world to right, someone who would restore their fortunes. And David here, by the Holy Spirit, prophesies of him hundreds of years before the event. The problem was that for many, their understanding of the prophetic was framed within their limited mindset. And we can do exactly the same. We can view prophecies that God has given to us within the mindset of our present experience and not allow them to open the doors of God's great, bigger, his bigger world. They look for someone who came come riding on a charger and through his might would rout the opposition. And instead, he came riding on a donkey and suffered and died to bring salvation. That was something the so-called gods of the world a Messiah just did not do. So let's just read the psalm together, shall we? Psalm 110. The Lord, Yahweh, says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power. In holy garments, from the womb of the morning, the dew of your youth will be yours. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You're a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand, and he will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth, and he will drink from the brook by the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. Amen. We obviously can't go into everything that Psalm says. It is maybe a Psalm of only seven verses, but it is rich in all of those seven verses. There's veins of truth uh, laid within each of them. But just let's notice three things about this particular Psalm. Number one, the Psalm envisages a battle, a war. It envisages the defeat of enemies, and it envisages a victorious conqueror. The psalmist prophesies a day when the evil tyrant ruler of fallen humanity would one day be overthrown and replaced by a loving, merciful, gracious, and benevolent ruler. We have just celebrated Easter and the Easter story has different strands to it. And one of those strands that runs th- through it is that of a battle of a war. Uh, A war, a battle like no other that had happened beforehand or has happened since. A battle that would be to the death, in which Jesus confronts the powers of this world, Satan, sin, death, and hell. Uh, This battle was the culmination of a whole series of skirmishes with the enemy. A battle he fought hour by hour, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, year, right up to this final showdown. And there, as Jesus approaches the cross, he meets the enemy full on. There he takes our sin. Scripture says he was actually made sin for us. I I struggle to comprehend that, that the Holy Son of God should actually be made sin for us. There he faces our death, the death that we should have died, the death that we deserved. And there he faces our hell, the judgment that was due us because of our sins. And so he bears our punishment, and so he goes into this battle, he takes it full on, and there he wins this greatest battle of all time, and he rises again. There's an old hymn that expressed it in in words like this, up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes, and that is what he surely did. It was a battle of all battles, Jesus went into it head on. He knew where he was going. He went into that battle and he came out victorious. And he finally ascends to the place of honor and majesty and authority. So Psalm 110 speaks of the installation of the victorious Messiah at the Father's right hand. As the Messiah King, enthroned at the right hand of power and authority, as a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Secondly, we notice about this psalm that it also envisages a new kind of kingdom that would spread out across the whole earth. We read there, the Lord will send forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. So there are still enemies around. Everything's not being mopped up just yet. There is a now and a not yet to this kingdom. And when Jesus came, he came proclaiming the kingdom of God. He came calling on people to repent, for the kingdom of heaven was at hand. And in him, the king, the kingdom came. And he demonstrated the kingdom. He spoke words of the kingdom. He proclaimed the kingdom. He commissioned his disciples to do similarly. And throughout the the gospels, throughout the acts of the apostles, we find them doing just that, proclaiming the kingdom of God. It was preached in Jerusalem, it was preached in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And that gospel of the kingdom, that good news of Jesus Christ as the the saviour king, uh, has been, has impacted millions upon millions of lives around the world since that day. Most people are probably not aware of the impact that Jesus Christ has had and Christianity therefore has had upon this world. And what kind of place it might be like if Jesus had never come. And so Paul envisages, sorry, it's the psalm envisages a new kind of kingdom that would spread out across the earth. And Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then thirdly, it also envisages a day when all evil will be overthrown. We read that in verses 5 and 6, the Lord is at your right hand and he will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment on the nations. Yes, as surely as Jesus came the first time, he will come again to judge the world in righteousness. A day when the final goal of the incarnation will be achieved and every enemy conquered, every enemy will be under his feet. So three things there then that we need to note and be aware of as we look at this psalm. The psalm envisages a battle, a war, the defeat of enemies, and a victorious conqueror. Secondly, the psalm envisages a new kind of kingdom that would spread across the earth. And thirdly, it also envisages a day when all evil would be overthrown. But this morning, I want to particularly focus on verse 3, uh, which says that your people will be willing in the day of, of your power, We live today in his power. Jesus has risen from the dead. And he is alive and at the right hand of the Father. He is the man in the glory. He is seated in the place of authority and power. The psalmist said, The Lord, Yahweh, uh, the Lord there is in capital letters, and it stands for the name of God, which was too holy, deemed to be too holy to write. But it is Yahweh, that personal name of God. And I'm so glad that God has told us his name because he doesn't want to be a a distant creator God. He wants to be a personal, relational God to each one of us. And that is why Jesus came to, to die for us, to bring about our salvation, to reconcile us to the Father that we might know him and live in a personal relationship with him. And Jesus, uh, uh, when he began to speak of the time that he would be leaving, his disciples were disappointed. And they wondered what life would be like without him. And, and Jesus said, look, yes, I'm going away, but I'm going to send one just like myself to be with you forever, to the end of the ages. He would be just like me. And He will teach you, and he will comfort you, and he will encourage you, he will guide you. And so when Jesus ascended into heaven, we discover that he received from the Father the gift of the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon that 120 people as they gathered there, as they prayed together. And as they, as they received the Holy Spirit, these, these ordinary men and women who had come to know him, who had followed him obediently, suddenly they were energized and empowered in a new way to speak of the Lord Jesus Christ, to spread the good news of the kingdom of God wherever he He would take them. And so your people will be willing in the day of your power. Today is the day of his power. He is reigning in the place of authority. He has granted to us the gift of the Holy Spirit. It is the day of his power. And there's a few things that I believe God has laid on my heart as I thought about this psalm and prayed about it that just want to draw out from this. So number one, there, there is a willingness to seize the day to redeem the time, as Paul would put it in Ephesians. It's easy for us, isn't it, to, to let days slip, to let time slip. Suddenly that time has gone by, and where did it go, and what did we do with it? It's easy to let time slip and days slip and, and promise ourselves perhaps a better tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow, when tomorrow's there, I'll do it, I'll get it done. But God has given us a will, uh, and we need to use it. He didn't make us robots uh, and if we don't use it, the enemy will get the better of us. One thing I have found in my own personal walk with God is that if I fall into passivity, the devil can play all sorts of games with me. If I surrender my will, the devil can, can knock me from here to there to everywhere. And, but God has given us a will, and it's for us to seize the day, to lay hold of God in the day, first thing in the morning maybe, as we travel through the day, to lay hold of him. If you're anything like me, there are times when we, we slip up, we, we make mistakes, we, we get it wrong, we fail, we sin. And uh, it's so easy to allow the be- devil to get the better of us in those moments. And he'll come along and use us like a punch bag, and he will knock us th- this way, that way, and the other. And, and and we will go down under it, and we can be crushed by it. But we need to learn how to, to get up and to go on, how to confess our sins, to re- repent of them, to receive Uh, The Father's mercy and forgiveness in and through Jesus Christ. Thank God, the scripture says, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. If that's you this morning, if the the devil's got one on you because of some sin that you have committed, know that with God there is an abundance of grace. That with the Father there is a great heart of love that just bids you come, say you are sorry and receive his forgiveness and cleansing. And so we need to learn to confess and repent quickly, a willingness to seize the day in whatever way that we need to. Secondly, a willingness to engage in intercession, to pray into God's purposes for our lives and for the lives of others. When we read the story of the early church and the the first advances of the gospel and of of the kingdom, We read of them as a praying people. Indeed, before they received the Holy Spirit, they spent 10 days waiting on God, praying. They weren't sitting there uh, playing on their Xbox, not that playing on an Xbox is wrong. They weren't sitting there just twiddling their thumbs. They were a people who prayed and they prayed until the power come down. There are stories of revival like that, where people have got hungry for God, and they have prayed, and they have prayed, and they have prayed, and then eventually God has come and met them in power. I was struck just recently reading a book by Jack Hayford, and and he said that for too many Christians, their praying is actually no better than stroking a rabbit's foot. And that kind of got me, and I began to think, how much of my praying is like that? How much of my praying is just like stroking a rabbit's foot, some kind of magical idea that maybe just doing this would make it go away, maybe not, I don't know. But actually the promises of God God with regard to prayer are great. God has promises over our lives, over your lives, over my life, over our church's lives. But they need to be prayed into. They don't just fall into our laps. It may be that God has given you words. And you've got them written down somewhere. You've got them tucked in a Bible somewhere. You've got them put away somewhere. You need to get them out and pray into them and pray on them until you hear God and you begin to see things happen. We love the sovereignty of God. We believe that our God is a sovereign God in every way but we can overplay that sovereignty to a point where it becomes fatalism, where it's whatever will be, will be. So we, we surrender, we, we give up, we, we, just, we just drift along. This is not the way God set things up. We were not created to be robots. Prayer changes things. God calls us to engage with him in intercession. So there was a, a willingness to engage in intercession. Number three, a willingness to be filled with the Spirit, to be Spirit-empowered and led. In fact, Jesus, uh, right at the beginning, he said to his disciples, after he had risen from the dead, he said, look, don't go anywhere. Don't do anything until you have been endued with power from on high. And he gave them that promise. And so they waited in Jerusalem. They tarried there. They prayed there until the Spirit of God came upon them in power. And those ordinary people were turned into extraordinary people who turned their world upside down for Jesus Christ. It's an exciting story. These ordinary people accomplishing extraordinary things through the power of the Holy Spirit. If there's anything that we need more of in our day and age, it is the Holy Spirit. We thank God for technology. We we thank God for all sorts of means, but we need the Holy Spirit. We need to... To, to, to be filled with him, we need to be led by him. We need to be empowered by him. We said a, a moment ago uh, that talk, spoke about willingness. Your people will be willing in the day of your power. It's no good being willing without the power of the Holy Spirit. That if we do that, we simply do things in our flesh and we end up finding ourselves worn out and disappointed and discouraged. Being charismatic is far more than singing songs to to a band, far more than clapping our hands or raising them. It is to be endowed with the Holy Spirit, to live and serve in a supernatural way, to worship Him in a supernatural way, to proclaim the gospel in a supernatural way. And when we look at the early church, we look at the nature of the people who were involved and we see how the Spirit filled them and how the Spirit used them. It is indeed an amazing story. My question for you this morning is, how Spirit filled are you? Are you full of the Holy Spirit? Are you even open to the Holy Spirit? Or have you got God in a box, a a nice comfortable arrangement that just suits you? God wants to break out of that box. God wants to fill you and to use you in new and dynamic ways. Then, fourthly, there's a willingness to, to live out the good news, to, to be transformed people, to be a countercultural people, to be salt and light. When you study the Early church and its impact upon the world, and an impact that astounds historians even to this day. How did this small group of people have such a massive impact upon the world in which they found themselves? So that it eventually the Roman Empire crumbled, but Christianity grew and grew and grew and has gone out across the nations of the earth. Yes, it is Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and the gospel, but also in tandem with this. It was transformed lives. In those days, people didn't live in, in nice, well-built homes with, with double glazing, the, 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 with wide streets. There were narrow streets and there were no windows. And people knew what was going on in your house. They knew what your life was like. They knew how bad it was. They knew the rows. They, they knew the difficulties with the children. But somehow, that something changed when people encountered Jesus. Marriages were transformed, families were transformed, and and the community, the world about them, noticed and wanted to know what this was all about. And so there was a willingness to live out the good news, to, to be transformed people. And my question again for us this morning, this afternoon, this evening, wherever you are, whatever time of day it is, is what about you? Are you living a transformed life? Do you know the power of the Holy Spirit working in you the resurrection life of Jesus, uh, that that power that enables us to live in newness of life, that power that enables us to live in a a new relationship with our husband, with our wife, that power that enables us to be good parents to our children, that power that will enable us to be uh, good employees for our employers, that power that will enable employers to be good to their employees, etc. They lived... Uh, as transformed people there was a willingness to live out the good news to be transformed people and that impacted the world and gave a hearing for the gospel then fifthly there was a willingness to serve in whatever way they could too frequently we we play ourselves down we we say well who am i well it's who am i and god who is who am i with god but we play ourselves down and the enemy loves to play that game with us as well. And we feel too small, too, too insignificant. But one with God is to be in the majority, to know the power of God is to be an extraordinary person. Too frequently we focus on the gifts that we either have or we don't have instead of the need that is in front of us, instead of being aware of the opportunities that God is already placing in our hands. And the reality is, He wants those things to be beyond us so that we trust in him. He wants those things to be beyond us so that we draw on his power and he is glorified. I want to challenge you, even in this time of lockdown, to, to look for doors and opportunities that he opens up for you to serve him in some way or another. The need is there in front of us. What can we do about it? There was a willingness to serve in whatever way they could. And then, sixthly, a willingness to proclaim the gospel, the good news of the kingdom. Jesus commissioned the disciples to preach the word of God. He commissioned them to heal the sick. He commissioned them to cast out devils. And the commission hasn't changed. And we're called to do the same thing. We're called to be witnesses to him. Uh, we're not called to be witnesses to a movement, not to a church, but to Jesus Christ. We're called to proclaim him the one who is king of kings and lord of lords, the the one who is able to save completely all those who come uh, to God through him. So what about you? What about me? How can we be more effective witnesses in the world in which we find ourselves? How can we share Jesus with those around about us? Is there somebody who needs prayer for healing? Is there somebody who needs to know deliverance? God commissions us. And it says here, your people shall be willing in the day of your power. There's a lot then in this psalm as we look at it, a lot to think about, a lot to pray about, a lot to respond to. And as I said, there's so much more that we could draw out from it. And so in responding to this psalm, I I just want to ask these questions, bring these things to our attention. At this time, Don't let the enemy take you out. Wherever you are, whatever your circumstances, and you may be shut away for several weeks, don't let the enemy take you out. Seize the day. Write it on a piece of paper. Stick it on your your fridge. Put it somewhere where you can see it. Be willing to seize the day. Be creative. Ask God to give you ideas and seize the day. Don't let it be wasted away. Maybe that you can give more time to the Word of God. It may be that you can give more time to prayer. It may be that you can give more time just to picking up the phone and ringing up somebody else and just praying with them on the phone, encouraging them, sharing something that will help them in their day. If you've fallen, if you've sinned, if you've failed in some way, don't let the enemy keep you down or take you out of the game. Again, seize the moment. God has made it possible for you to come to him and say, I'm sorry, forgive me, cleanse me. The steps of the good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. And though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholds him with his hand, it says in the Old Testament. The enemy is the one who wants to push us right down, get us under his foot and and then screw his foot on top of us. But God comes along in his mercy and his grace. He says, come on, my child. Come on, there's mercy and there's grace for you. I forgive you. Be cleansed, be renewed. Let's get up, let's go on. What a God we have. And then I I want to encourage you to pray. And uh, we've heard in the notices about the prayer meeting. That's an opportunity for us to engage. But there's opportunities too for you at home as you have more time, to just spend more time in prayer. You might say, well, I don't know how to pray. Well, just get into his presence. Just welcome his presence and just begin to worship him and ask the Holy Spirit to be your teacher, to show you who to pray for and how to pray for them. We're all called to the business of prayer. And then I want to challenge you to be open to the Holy Spirit. It may be that you have closed down for some reason or other. Maybe things have happened and you, you can't explain them and you've, you've, you've clamped up. God wants you to open up to the Holy Spirit. To be ready to welcome him in whatever way he would like to come in and fill you and use you. To be anointed again with fresh oil. To be clothed with power from on high. That you might go out uh, as an extraordinary human being Uh, uh, clothed in the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's opportunities all around us to serve wherever and however you can. One of the things I would say is don't wait to be asked. In Britain, we are kind of very reserved and it tends to be a bit of our culture to, to wait to be asked. Don't wait to be asked. If you see a need, ask yourself, what can I do about that? How can I, in God, do something Uh, with regard to that need trust in him don't just pray but act and how can we we gossip the gospel both at this moment in time when we're under lockdown and when we eventually come out of it how can we more effectively share the good news of Jesus Christ other people that you could pray for that healing might come other people who need deliverance other people who just need some words from from the Father dropped into their lives? Are there words that will open people up to the good news of Jesus Christ, whereby they can come to know him as their own personal saviour and Lord? In a moment, uh, Debbie and Anna are going to come and lead us in a a song of worship and praise at the end of our meeting. Um, But before then, I'm just going to pray for us. And right now, I just want to Ask you where you are, just to, you can, if you want to close your eyes, to do that. If you would prefer to keep your eyes open, that's fine as well. Wherever you are, just to, to stop and just listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you out of this message this morning. Maybe that you need to be encouraged that Jesus is on his throne, that he's won the battle. Therefore, your salvation is secure. It's good. And that you have a great high priest. Maybe that you need to know that he's given the gift of the Holy Spirit and you can receive of him in this moment. Maybe that you just need to know his mercy and grace and come to him. So I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit's presence. So, Father... We thank you for all that you have done for us in Jesus. You are an amazing God, absolutely amazing. We thank you for your amazing grace made known to us in Jesus Christ. It's staggering, Lord Jesus, to to think of what you've done when you went to that cross, that battle that you had to fight that nobody else could fight, none of us could do it, only you could do it. And you did it by taking on flesh like ours and and fighting the devil in that flesh, fighting Satan, sin, death, and hell. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you beat the devil. We thank you that you beat the world and the flesh and sin. We thank you that you you beat hell. We thank you that you went down into death and you rose again, the conquering hero. And we thank you today, you're at the Father's right hand. Thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. Just now I pray, Holy Spirit, bless those who are listening. Whether those who just need to know your love, mercy and grace and receive your forgiveness for something that's happened. Lord, that they would just hear your loving voice whisper to them. You are forgiven, my child. Jesus has died for you. The blood has been shed for you. Be clean. Be filled again. Get up and go on. Maybe this morning that you are sick and you need healing. I'd just like to pray for you. Holy Spirit, would you come upon those who are sick this morning, this afternoon, this evening, whatever time of day it is. Holy Spirit, would you just bring healing to their sick bodies? Would you strengthen and renew? Would you mend? Would you put put right what's wrong? Would you restore health and strength in the mighty name of Jesus? For any who don't know you, I pray, Lord, open their hearts and their minds that they might know the truth about you. That in this moment, they will have sensed something of the heart of God. That in this moment, there will be some kind of drawing of the Holy Spirit and you'll help them to make steps of faith towards you in confession and repentance, Lord Jesus. So we, we thank you for this time. Help us as we go from here out into our daily lives, in lockdown, out at work, wherever we find ourselves. Help us to be those who are effective witnesses to you and see uh, your kingdom coming to the glory and praise of your name. Amen.